take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Are you at war with your body? If we're at war with anything at all in our lives, we'll see that reflected in our relationships and ultimately in the world. Peace begins at home with yourself. My next guest is a beautiful light who's come to help you make peace with your body and develop a kinder, gentler relationship with it. She deeply understands that distortions in our perception of ourselves and our bodies are rooted in issues of self-worth that transcend the body and that the path to peace with your body leads to true inner peace. Dree Marie is a food and body image healer for women, mindful eating and mindfulness teacher, and a certified coach. She healed herself from disordered eating and terrible body image by turning her back on diet culture and opening up to intuitive eating approaches as well as practicing self-kindness, self-compassion, and body acceptance. She believes that every woman deserves to be free from the tyranny of beauty and a reductive vision of health to finally start shining like the goddess she is in a world that needs her gifts. Dree is the founder of the Body Joy Academy. And sidebar, I'm delighted to share with you that the Body Joy Academy was part of Dree's vision for her life and service to others when she worked with me as a client some time ago. So it is wonderful to see that dream has come to fruition in such a powerful way. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation. I know you're going to be inspired by Dree's message as much as I am, not to mention fall in love with her gorgeous and charming French and Scottish accent. Okay, here we go. Oh, welcome, Dree. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Well, Tell, tell us a little bit about your background and how you, you know, your journey and how you came to do the work that you do now. Oh, so my journey, my journey has been really, it feels like it's been quite a, a, a windy, uh, complex road, lots of twists and turns. Uh, but basically I, Ever since I was little, I've always been a little performer. So I've always, I've, it's always been in me. Uh, I directed shows in the school yard during recess. I was uh, writing plays when I was 10 and I was performing in them and I was directing and I was casting 
random, probably really terrified children in the in the schoolyard uh, for my <laughs> for my shows, um, and so it felt like for a while that was that was quite clear to me that that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go into the performance um, arts and the creative creative arts, and that that's pretty much what I what I did I followed that path I eventually went um after uni I went to theater school um and I and I became an actor for which which is a path I followed for maybe about 15 years almost two probably two decades um and directed and sang and uh, did voice voiceover work and all that kind of stuff um and this is where it gets complicated. I, as much as I felt like it was a very natural part of me when I was growing up, somewhere along the line, I think I started seeing the, the acting, especially the acting path as maybe a way to get validation mm. for, for me, to get a sense of my worth somehow the kind of natural creativity and exuberance that I had as a kid became kind of tangled up with an idea that I could only be worthy if I was, if I became famous mm. or if I became extremely successful in a very glamorous industry or an industry that is seen certainly as, as glamorous a lot of the time. So I think somewhere along the line there was there was a little tangle there and it mm. it took me years and years and years to first of all realize that that was there and then to start untangling it. Um I don't know if you can relate to that experience. I can. I can. Oh my god, <laughs> my heart. My heart is just like overflowing right now. I wonder how many people um understand that, you know, who are artists. Yeah you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, it's part of our healing, I think, you know, is that yeah. we, we go out and we look for that kind of validation. We don't even know that we're doing it. You know, I no. certainly didn't for years and years, 25 year career <laughs> yeah. in the arts. And I, you know, for most of that, I had no idea that, that, that was a driver for me. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it uh, and it's part of the heartbreak of when you feel like things aren't going well is that it, you feel like it invalidates you as a human being somehow, right. As yes. a, as, as a spiritual being. Yeah. So yeah, the tangle is a really interesting way of describing it. You, I think you articulated that beautifully. So yes, I really can relate to that. I understand completely. Yeah. So how, how did that, how did that untangling happen and how did you, how did you start doing what it is you do? now well I think I mean interestingly because we're I know that we we might talk about this later but interestingly I quite early on I, I always as 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 well as the creative side I think I always had an interest or I was always intrigued about the spiritual side of things like I was the one child in my family who asked a lot of questions about God and about like <laughs> But who is God? Like, does know, does God know that he's God? Like, and maybe, maybe I'm God and I don't know that I'm God. Like, I actually said that when I was around seven or eight or something. My parents must have been like, 
where is this child coming from? Um, so I was always really interested in those questions. So when I got to about, I don't know, maybe early, early 20s, late teens, early 20s, I started reading stuff like the alchemist that was really big at the time and you know I, my path started taking me down that that road of spiritual seeking and also it was at the time in my late teens I developed an eating disorder I, I started having a lot of issues with food my body image which is what I'm, I work with now with women who have these these sort of issues Late teens was probably when it when it got really bad, and early twenties. And interestingly, I I I want I wanted to heal. I wanted to understand where those issues were coming from, what was happening. And it's through that door that I started discovering more spiritual stuff, stuff about managing emotions, stuff about managing worth, uh, self esteem. I opened that door through that those really challenging behaviors I was experiencing. So again, it was another part of the tangle about worth, about image, about appearance. That was like a piece, a piece of that. And the, the spiritual path or the, the coaching path, the mindfulness practices, everything I do now with my clients that started happening there, that exploration in parallel to my acting career. And interestingly, you know, as, as you will know, the acting industry is not always kind to women and their appearances and uh, their, their weight or their looks or whatever it is. So to me, there's been a huge journey of like I said, untangling my worth from all these external factors. And it was through that, through that door of challenge and of compulsive behaviors and difficult behaviors that I actually started to touch on, oh, maybe worth is not from the outside in. Maybe there's a different adventure you can go on there another exploration you can go on which starts from the inside oh. and that's very much the work that I I do now is with with women who who experience food and, and image issues every time every time we circle around and around and we get to the center which is worth which is self-worth which is deep, deep self-care that comes from the inside, not from the outside. Oh. So I think, yeah, I hope that makes sense. It's quite, it feels like quite a complex um, tangle, <laughs> but I hope that makes some sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And I'm, I mean, you know, every, so many things that you're saying are hitting me right in the gut, you know, like, Oh, I, I, I so remember that. I, I just, a brief, quick little story here. Many years ago when I was living in LA, I went to, um, I had three jobs. I was going through a divorce and it was just a really hard time. And, um, I had no money. And so I, you know, I was desperate for something and I, I went to a fit modeling, um, uh, interview, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. um, because, because, you know, when I was, whenever I was in fittings, the, the costume designer would say, Oh, you're a hanger girl. You know, I just take it off the rack and it fits you. You should, you should do some fit modeling. Well, I saw an mm -hmm. ad for fit modeling 
And I went and I thought maybe I could, you know, make some money doing some fit modeling. Mm -hmm. And I went to this uh, interview and they, you know, they were nice and everything, but they took my measurements and all of that. And they, (laughs) they measured my thighs and, uh, the, at the end, you know, we had a page full of my measurements and the woman said to me, you know, you're almost perfect. Almost. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, it's just that you've got like an extra inch right around your outer thighs. So maybe if you could go and do some Stairmaster oh my or God. something like that, you know, and I was like, okay. <laughs> And, you know, it became a joke for, for me and, and, and my, and later my husband, you know, about my extra inch. And <laughs> he's like, well, I love your extra inch. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I, that story came to mind as you were talking about, I mean, yes. And certainly uh, I think any woman or female identifying uh, performer knows what it yes. feels like to be to be judged and on the basis of, you know, how you look Uh, and, and on a larger scale, how we're really, you know, in the world right now being asked to remove our, uh, 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 reference points from the outside of ourselves back mm-hmm. to inside of ourselves. Cause you can't trust anything that is being delivered on the outside. You can't look for truth in the world at not that you ever could, but like now it's even more obvious that we need to move those reference points back to it within ourselves. So yes. I would love to hear you talk more Dree about how our uh, relationship with food and our bodies can contribute to stress. And you talk about uh, performing health uh, mm-hmm. and how that makes us feel worse about ourselves. What is performing mm-hmm. health? Well, there's there's a whole, there's a lot of industries um, hung up on how to achieve the perfect, you know, perfect health. Um, and often it's about, even if it doesn't say that it is, it is about external an external view, usually of physical health. So if you think I'm not on Instagram, I'm not really on social media, but I know that Instagram is a place which is full of health performers, you know? Um, So yoga practice is becoming something that can be put on Instagram that looks a certain way. And the, we all have this idea that a a person who does yoga looks a certain way and that maybe if we do yoga we'll look like that as well and we'll have the lifestyle that goes with it but this is not this has nothing to do with worth or a deep practice this is really just an outside look at me performing health kind of thing Uh this is what healthy looks like so when we find ourselves wanting to wanting to pursue health and we don't match that ideal. We don't match those images, or we, you know, our bodies don't uh, don't like particular. I don't know a particular food that is supposed to be, you know, miraculous or whatever. We feel like we're failing at something, mm. and weirdly, that makes us, of course, that that develops a very unhealthy relationship internally with ourselves. So. 
my big thing with with clients is that you can't you can't starve yourself to a good relationship with your body you cannot hate yourself to self-love that you know that those those things are are complete contradictions so it has to start from the inside it has to start from not the idea that we're going to perform being healthy we're going to pretend everything is fine when it's not or you know that kind of thing um or do engage in activities that don't feel right for our bodies but we feel we should be doing them yeah going back to this idea of tuning in to our own selves our own wisdom away from outside images of what health supposedly looks like and doing that work of what what works for me what am i hungry for what does my body really want and need these questions for a lot of us we, we don't actually know it's a practice to to get to to those answers and a lot of us especially women because of the appearance bias because of the weight pressures because of these external factors of validation we have no idea what's going on inside we don't know so yeah. suddenly a woman who decides to stop listening to external you know authorities about food or or exercise or whatever a lot of time there's a period of i don't what, what, but what do I want? What what does my, I don't know my body. I don't know. I don't know what I want. You know. Ugh. So, so the whole kind of stepping away from performing health is all about coming back to what's going on with me. Like, what are these emotions? What is? What are these sensations? What are my hungers? What satisfies me? What do I want? Like. And I know, I know those are questions that you, you ask as well in your, in your yeah. coaching, you know, what, what do you want? What is it you want? Like, if you want to create what you want, you need to know what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, know. right? Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I remember when it, da- it just dawned on me that I, you know, after like eight years of therapy, I still didn't know how I felt about mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. because I was busy performing uh, mental health really. Yes. And emotional health, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what I did in therapy for eight years, but you know, it was, it, I think it was just, you know, a place where I could talk about myself or, or, you know, talk about what things that were upsetting me, but I don't know that I actually, you know, made a dent in real self-knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was more perpetuation of story, uh, mm-hmm. and, a and maybe even a densification of the ego. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I mean, that is, whew, I mean, uh, performing health, you certainly do see that on social media uh, everywhere. And um, so how do you help somebody go within and start to tune into what it is they actually want, what they're hungry for? So there, there's fun, the first fundamental step uh, that's in, in the food realm, but I guess that works for for any realm um, is to decide to stop listening to external authorities on Mm. on yourself your body and it might be decide to stop listening to other people's expectations of you for example or what other people think you should do other people's advice on on what it is you should do to kind of become savvy 
on when you're listening to to outside authorities would be the first step. For me, um, an essential tool in self-awareness is meditation, Mm. meditation practice, mindfulness practice, um, either in a formal way or bringing it into my life, you know, my daily life, just being, coming back to the here and now, starting to notice when my mind is going into story, into judgment, into, you know, being drawn into like, oh, maybe this would work for me or, you know, these kind of things. For me, meditation has been huge, like mm-hmm. really that practice of, of going, going within. And it can start really simply. I mean, I offer in, in the starter kit that I offer to my clients, I now have a little tuning in meditation. And mm-hmm. it's very simple. It's super simple. You can do it. You know, you don't have to set up, you know, set yourself up or anything special, equipment or whatever. Um, it's simply, you know, you close your eyes. If that feels fine, you kind of take a few deep breaths. You let things settle, a bit like snow settles on the ground. You let things settle for a bit. And then you just start noticing what's there. You start noticing your body sensations. You start noticing if there is a kind of emotional tone to your experience, even if that might feel very vague, just kind of start to, you know, tune into that. And you start noticing whether it's busy up there in your mind or whether it's quite quiet and maybe start noticing what kind of thoughts are around, you know, the kind of inner internal weather of Ah. your experience. (laughs) And that's it. Oh, gosh. If you start, you know, you start doing this on a regular basis, you start doing this daily, you cannot help but start to grow this internal awareness and you cannot help but start noticing when external things don't quite mm, don't don't quite satisfy you or don't don't you know don't don't work for you so you start growing an insight as well that's been my experience well me too I mean and I Mm. think that is that's the universal experience of the human when you start to give yourself a little bit of time and space to meditate I mean you know for I think for so many people that's a it's almost like a dirty word meditate oh I don't know I can't meditate that's you know and and a lot of the work that I do is about demystifying spirituality and helping people understand that exactly like you said it is so simple it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's easy but it is very simple and you know meditation does not have to you know, you don't have to qualify to meditate and be, you know, a monk who lives in a cave and, you know, you don't have to do any fancy techniques. It's really like you say, just that, that simple awareness and the holding space for yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, that is so, uh, it's so healing and so beautiful and that we, we have the right to go there. We have the right. And, uh, you know, we're, it's natural for us. It's natural for us to go there. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting what you say on like the, the, the barriers sometimes to, to people meditating is because of shoulds and because of an, again, an external view of, oh, but I need to be, you know, I need to be able to make my mind completely blank and I need to have the right cushions and I need to be, you know, to be completely uninterrupted for, for an hour. It's like, no, you don't, you don't need any of that. 
You don't mm. need to make your mind blank. You just need to notice what's going on with your mind. Your mind is probably not going to be blank. Like, yeah. If you're anything <laughs> like are. me, I mean, chances <laughs> are it's not going to be blank. But you just notice like, oh, wow, it's busy up there today. Wow. <laughs> like what stories are going on up there at the moment? You know, that's yeah. that's the point. Um, so, again, it's not, you know, it's not a performance. It's not a it's not an external thing. You don't have to adopt any belief or, or creed or religion or whatever it is to, to do it. It's really, for me, the basic thing is a tuning, tuning in, starting to tune in to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And oh, even, so you know, beautiful. five minutes, 10 minutes a day, if that's all you can do for, for a bit, that even that can be invaluable, can reframe your day can suddenly make you realize like, oh, you know what? I want to go for a walk or I want to, oh, I'd like some, I don't know. I'd like some crisp green beans today, you know, or (laughs) whatever it is, you know, like (laughs) I know for people who have things around food, it's like, no way I'm going to tune in and want green beans, but that's what starts to happen. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Like (laughs) the body is wise. The body is really wise. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about rest. Uh, I, I saw something in your, uh, in your talking points about rest. And, and this is something that I, that I often talk about with clients too, you know, this, this idea of going, uh, of, you know, how we've all been in doing, doing, doing mode for yeah. so many years, you know, as yeah. long as we can remember. And, and then the, the pandemic sort of forced a stop to that and, mm-hmm. and transitioning to being mode, you know, so going from mm-hmm. doing to being and how being is really the, the, the substrate of all, uh, of all of our results, uh, because yeah. it's who we are vibrationally. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about rest as a, as a missing piece, uh, in food and body image healing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that actually I became aware of only recently. Um, I think it's because, you know, we teach what we most need to learn. And certainly for me, I don't know if you're into astrology and all that. I don't know how much I am into it, but, um, I'm a, I'm a Capricorn and apparently, apparently Capricorns are these, you know, very ambitious driven uh, very seriously ambitious people. Now, I'm not very serious, I'm very playful, but there is an undercurrent of achieving, achieving, achieving. What's my next achievement? You know, this this drive. And so for me, the rest thing, it's something I need to practice. It's something reminding myself that I am a human being and not a human doing has been a huge um, revolution when I did my my mindfulness uh, teaching training. That was one of the phrases that came back a lot. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> there might be, maybe something I need to investigate there. And What's been interesting is that I've noticed that with my with my clients as well, if we go into the rest piece, if we start kind of exploring that, often the quality of rest is not is not great. And there is often a common strand of women who uh, use can use food sometimes as an energy thing 
do not always know how to rest. Often they don't know how to rest. They don't know how to simply be still or savor something or slow down. Um, oh. It's, and I, that's not something I was aware of before, but it started to come up again and again as, as, a, as a common point. Um, but I think that's a, a society thing. As you mentioned, I think there's a, especially in our Western kind of societies, this, again, this measurement of worth by what we can produce or accomplish in a day, you know, this, this mistaken idea that we'll be somehow more productive if we work more, not if we work better and if we take time to rest. And what I'm discovering, so this is still an, very much an exploration for me. I'm not at all an expert on, on rest, but what I'm discovering is that there's um, all these different types of rest and all these different ways that we can rest, which are not necessarily about getting more sleep. Um, but for example, you know, especially right now, it's doubtful that you'll feel mentally rested if you're glued to the news all the time. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, yep. so a lot of, for a lot of us, there's almost, uh, I've spoken to a lot of people for whom it feels justified to watch the news all the time because, you know, you don't want to be unaware of what's happening in the world. Mm. But what happens is it becomes this constant input, which makes us anxious, which makes us, which takes us away from ourselves. And paradoxically, it doesn't put us in a great state to actually do something to make the world a better place in, you know, in the way that we can. I could not agree with you more. I mean, this is really no. about nourishment on all levels, isn't it? Yes. Because what are you feeding your mind? You yeah. know, and, and it's, as you said, it's very true that a lot of people feel justified and they will even judge you and make you wrong if you choose mm -hmm. not to engage with the news, mm -hmm. for example, in the same way, you know, that mm -hmm. it's, you're somehow being irresponsible. You should be informed and, you know, don't you know what's going on in the world? This is mm -hmm. terrible. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, first of all, it's pretty hard. You'd have to live under a rock these days not to know what's going on. It's going to come at you. I was going to say, you will be informed. <laughs> you yes, will find you out. Will. Um, but yeah, you know, like, are you really wanting to uh, dwell on things that are going to pull your vibration down to a place of negativity that actually contributes to the negativity that's already there instead mm -hmm. of elevating yourself and you know, really, gosh, all I've been uh, writing and thinking about for the last few months is that we're meant to be happy, you mm -hmm. know, that, that life doesn't have to be so hard, that it's, it can be easeful and graceful and that we really can choose, uh, happiness and discover inner joy and bliss even, and that mm -hmm. there, nothing could be more healing to us personally and to the world right now than to cultivate that state. Absolutely. And when you, you, you're speaking of this, I'm thinking of this, this important piece around rest, which is the development of boundaries and strong boundaries. And whether that's mental as in making the choice, you know what, Okay, if you want to watch the news, it's it's fine. You know, watch it for five minutes, and then that's it. That's 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 me for the day. I choose not to engage anymore. That'll give you a mental rest. It's a boundary, you know, that that you're building 
to protect you and because because you need to look after yourself you're putting that boundary you don't have to justify it to anyone same emotionally for emotional rest you know if you're that's also a common trait in women and i include myself in this uh, who develop disordered eating issues or have things around their bodies is that they're very often um want to please everyone they're very often say yes to every emotional demand so they're often in role of caring for friends family you name it children um and they're often unable to say no to 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 people sometimes to like to friends who they find a bit draining or you know or to simple family demands that have gotten a bit out of control for example and so that the emotional piece of rest which I've, I've kind of discovering as well is boundary is being able to say you know what no I'm not I'm not available for this right now and to not have to justify it to just come to a place where it's like this is I'm my self-care my self-care comes first it's really hard. It's really hard for a lot of us where we're really conditioned to be like, oh, but people are going to think, I'm, you know, what are people going to think? Like yeah. saying no, saying no to someone, but I should try, surely I should try to please everyone. But if you're trying to please someone at the detriment of your own mental health and, and sanity, that's not, that's not a good, it's not a good thing. So rest is not just the physical rest although that's part of it it's it's also all these other all these other ways in which you can look after your inner space basically making sure that it's not invaded on all sides by all sorts of all sorts of things you don't you don't want in there so and that's a practice absolutely that's still a practice for me you know? Yeah, for me too. I mean, and and even a few weeks ago, we had a conversation in the gray space with um, with Lisa Berry, who's a an actress, and she calls it self honoring choices, right? Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and she was talking about how whenever you make self honoring choices, you always gain big time. You know, it yes. comes back to you in ways that you can't even imagine. And I think it's part of our sort of distortion and total reversal around um, what it is to honor yourself, you know, yeah. that we've been called selfish or, you know, self-absorbed for focusing on, <clears throat> excuse me, for focusing on our spirituality, focusing on ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's, they call it, you know, the selfishness, but um, uh, it, you know, you could think of it as, as self, self-fullness, self-fullness. Yes. You know, yes, yeah, it's different because you you know put your own light, your own oxygen mask on before you assist the person next to you. <laughs> Absolutely, no. That I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's like that because paradoxically, when you start honoring your own boundaries, when you do say yes, when you do show up, you are you're feeling more resourced. You're feeling rested. You're you know you are feeling like you can actually be generous because you've got something to give. You've kind of put fuel in your tank, you know, so, mm. so many metaphors that we could use there, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I love that the self-honoring, self-honoring choices. And I think we're all exhausted because we're not, we're not making those choices or we don't know how to make them a lot of the time. We, we yeah. don't even know that we have the option. <laughs> it's true. It's I mean, true. that's the thing, you know, with, I, with a lot of my clients is like, oh, you mean I can say no? to 
to this unreasonable demand from my mom or from, you know, or from my friend or, yeah. Gosh, wow. (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Absolutely. So it's, you know, all, all of that is first, of course, first the awareness and then the practice. And yeah, it's a, I think it's a lifelong, lifelong thing. But that was, uh, yeah, that was all my my recent discoveries about rest. It's just how many different facets that has. And it's not just about, you know, making sure you get enough sleep. It's It's also taking time in your day to do nothing. Like five minutes, put a timer on if it's that, you know, if it's really something that's unfamiliar and do nothing or like yeah. have your cup of tea and just stare out the window. Like that's it. Do nothing. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, let's yeah. let's talk about resistance. I noticed that's a theme for you as well. And I I talk about resistance a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you 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 talk about resistance in terms of uh, two modes of resistance, either or uh, drowning in emotions or or being yeah. in resistance to emotions. I would yeah. presume, right? Yeah. T- tell yeah. us how that that keeps you stuck in overwhelm. Yeah, so that that's kind of part of the of the mindfulness um, adventure I've been on, and um, all around emotional management, and that might speak to a lot of people in the kind of performing art scene. Everything um, I think a lot of us are quite highly sensitive mm-hmm. people, and a lot of us are quite emotional people. Um, I know for me, I've always experienced my emotions at full volume, like technicolor, you know, really big. And I realized like after a few years of living uh, that that was not everyone's experience that some, you know, some people seem to be on a very even keel all the time and not have massive emotional, you know, spikes. I mean, I cry, I can cry at the drop of a hat, like a commercial with a nice (laughs) grandma smiling at a child. And I go, (laughs) like, (laughs) so my emotional volume is, is often very high. So mindfulness practices really, really help with that because what I, what I realized and what I learned through my training was that we tend to, I tend to drown in emotions. That was my, my thing. So the resistance was actually that I wasn't really making enough space for the emotion to just be and pass. Yes. I, instead of just holding that space, just going, it will pass, it will pass. I would start adding stories to the emotion, which then feed back. And then before you know it, you've got this enormous thing that you you drown in. So I think for highly sensitive people, like certainly like myself, that's often an issue. We're like, we just put ourselves in such states you know, and let's starting to listen to stories, judgments, or, or whatever it is. And then on the other side of that, there's the there's the the pushing down, pushing things down. So I'm not I'm not going to feel this. So maybe I'll keep myself horrendously busy, like busier than any normal human being should be, so that I don't have to look, or I'll I'll 
in certainly in the case of, of women with disordered eating, because there's something about food, food can become a kind of thing of like, I'm not going to feel this. I'm not going to feel this emotion. Just, you know, I'm just going to eat. And then my problem will be that I'm overfull. That that'll be the, the thing I have to deal with. It's different. Right. right. So there can be that. So we tend to be either or and kind of go from one, one to the other. When we start learning to make space, to just go, oh, okay. Oh, that I'm there's sadness here. What does that feel like? What's that like? All right, maybe, you know, oh, I need to really listen to this. And you make space for it. And lo and behold, it passes. It transforms. Yes. yes. You know? Oh, Dree, I've got to, you know, everyone, I've got tears coming down my face right now because I am so, I feel so grateful that, you know, first of all, it, it just, it, it, <laughs> what you're saying resonates so deeply with me. This is a process that I teach and I teach it as what I call presence processing. It's part yes. of the course from burnout to bliss that I, mm-hmm. that I, that I created. And, uh, but you know, the reason that I feel so grateful right now is that every time there is an, uh, a confirmation and affirmation that the same message is coming through so many different channels. Mm -hmm. It is so reassuring. You you know, it's almost as if the the universe is like downloading a major lesson for all humans. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. lesson is stop doing so much, start being more and feel, feel Feel your feelings. Yes. There's a massive plane going overhead. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's like, a, I don't know, like a huge, huge engine sound. Anyway, <laughs> feel, <laughs> feel your feelings to make space. And you're right. They do transform. If you give them the space, and this is, I think what we're so afraid of is that we're going to be overwhelmed by an emotion and we won't be able to come back. You know, Mm -hmm. we're so afraid of the tidal wave of emotions that we're trying to keep down. Right. And so I talk also Mm -hmm. about in in terms of, you know, we're either repressing it or suppressing it or Mm -hmm. avoiding it with some kind of compulsive behavior or, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, expressing it in a way that is, uh, destructive to mm-hmm. us and to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because we were actually never taught how to process emotional energy. No, And it's so thing. simple. It is so simple, isn't it? It's so simple. And we, it's, it's remarkable really that in the 21st century, we're still not taught this stuff as a basic yeah. You know, this is this is basic emotional management should be taught in every school and every, you know, every every child, every parent should should be taught this thing. And we don't like for a lot of us that I mean, like I said at the beginning, I came to it because I had to like yeah. I was put in front of a behavior that was so that felt so destructive. I was I was really like, I can't I cannot go on like this anymore. So I need to learn what's going on and I need to learn how to manage this, this thing. And I'm still a very emotional person. Like, you know, I see you cry and immediately I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I am, that that volume is still, is still there. But I had like a wonderful phrase that uh, one of my meditation teacher told me once, because I don't know, I was on a retreat and I started feeling this thing and I could not stop crying. And it was all very big and dramatic. And, you know, often on retreats, there's those sort of 
explosions that happened. But I couldn't stop. And I was getting almost like, uh, I don't know if it's a performer thing, but maybe a part of me was almost enjoying how much emotion I was feeling and expressing, you know, I was really getting into it. But I was also drowning in it a little bit. I was starting to drown in it and not, not be able to make sense. And it was all getting too big. And what she said to me was, you need to get bigger on the inside. You need to get bigger. So, and what she meant was you need to make more space. Yes. You need to expand your inner space so that you can hold this without drowning in it. And I loved that phrase. Like, oh yeah, get bigger. I need to get bigger on the inside, you know? Yes. Well, don't mm-hmm. you think that that's what happened? I mean, t- t- that's one way of describing the spiritual journey is that, is that you just become more and more spacious. Well, the truth is you, you're, you already are infinitely spacious. You just don't mm-hmm. realize it because we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're clogged up with all of this uh, emotional energy that has never been processed and mm-hmm. all of these beliefs and, uh, and thoughts, which are, um, you know, which are invasive and compulsive. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we have this impression. I mean, that's why, and that the ego is always on the defensive, right? Because when there's no space inside you're reactive, you know, instead yeah. of being responsive. Yes. And, yes. and so, you know, one of the major differences that I noticed over the years, as I became more aware was that things just sort of calmed down inside and the sense of spaciousness replaced, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like the, the sky was always there and the mm-hmm. clouds started to to dissipate. And mm-hmm. then I, the sun was shining and I was like, oh, if that was always there. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and so then you don't have, you know, and then, and when you know that you have access to that spaciousness, because it is your nature, yeah. even when there are cloudy periods, even when the weather is bad mm-hmm. <laughs> internally, yes. um, uh, you know, bad, that's just another uh, you know, assessment. It's, yeah. it's whatever it is, what it is. It's what it is. Wild, perhaps. Yeah. Wild, wild and crazy. <laughs> Even when that's the case, there's enough spaciousness that you can hold whatever yes. is there. Yeah, totally. And what, in my experience as well, I don't know if it's been yours, but it, it's a, uh, the more I make space for, for the wild weather, um, the, the quicker I bounce back as well, the quicker the clouds dissipate. So because it becomes a kind of, all right, the weather is wild. I know what to do about this. Mm. I need to, I need to take time. I need to make space. It, like we said, it transforms, it, it passes. And in my experience, that started to happen a lot quicker than when I was, you know, letting the storm completely devastate me or like annihilate yes. my my sense of what was going on um you know I mean and wild weather has a purpose as well sometimes you know so yeah, the yeah. more space you make for it the more you can start afresh and it's so this this practice and I have to say for me it is a practice and it's a practice I have to do regularly um because my I think because of the volume of at which I experience the world and life, uh, if I don't tend to that, mm. I can I can revert back <laughs> quite easily to a kind of reactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so especially if there's a lot going on in the world, like I really need to like put those boundaries, you know, put those boundaries up and go right. 
time to time to tune in, time to make space. It's something I need to keep doing. Otherwise, it's almost like you know the garden which you stop tending, kind of thing. Right. And it, it the weeds to start over, to grow. The weeds up. start to grow, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh dear, yeah, need to get back to my meditation or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a ongoing practice. But and it goes back to what you were yeah. saying about resistance too, right? Because when you stop resisting mm-hmm. something, it doesn't have any power anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It becomes just the thing. It becomes something you experience and it's and it's okay. You know, I I a lot of the women I work with and I completely understand that there is um a fear of certain emotions. So and that, that's part of the performing health as well. It's like, oh, but surely, you know, I should be happy all the time. I should feel joyful. So as soon as there's any trace of sadness or anger, especially those kind of emotions that we label as more negative, um, or certainly maybe more unpleasant to experience, mm-hmm. there's a trace of that. The instinct will be to shut it down or to repress it or to, as you said, to express it in ways that are harmful to, to us and others. Um, but the truth is, like, especially with something like, like anger, it, pa- it passes. If you have um, skillful ways to express anger, if you recognize it, make space for it, decide to use it in a particularly skillful way, it, it will pass. You know, you've punched your pillow to to death. Okay, that's whew, you've you've moved it, you've jogged it out, you've yeah. But you need to be able to recognize that it's there, and to go, oh wow, okay, something's really angry here. Right? What what am I? How am I going to respond? Right. I'm not going to react to it. I'm going to respond. And that and that's. I- you know, that's a skill. That's a, that's a, that can be learned. That's the thing as well. It's like, you're not stuck with, with your emotions. Like you're not stuck with having a a sensitive temperament. And that means that you're always going to drown. No, this, this stuff is, they're practices, they're practices that can be learned. And I've, if, if I can do them, anybody can. (laughs) (laughs) I I say that too. Right. I like, well, look, you know, actually what it, what it boils down to is that those emotions are just energy and, Mm -hmm. and energy is, is, is neutral, you know, energy is neither good nor bad. It's just energy. And if it's bound up, you know, it, and, and it it creates pressure. Right. And, and if, when it's released, well, it's, it's released. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a book. I do. I have a book. Tell us about your book. So my book, it's a, it's my baby book. It's a, it's a wee book, pocket size. Uh, It's called Body Love Magic. And it's uh, 28 spellbinding practices to, the the whole title is to become a bona fide body image mermaid, witch, um, and fairy queen. Because I like that stuff. Um, it's it's really simple. It's a it's a um, a summary of practices to develop a good harmonious relationship with our bodies. And there's outside in practices that are very much about 
you know, things like stopping body checking all the time or like weighing ourselves or things like that. And then there's inside out practices very much like meditation, like, you know, body kindness, for example, times, uh, mindfulness, uh, nature, awareness, walking in nature. So there's, they're kind of woven like that as a, I call them yin and yang practice, which is completely not scientific or, or anything <laughs> but the yin is more from the inside the yang is more from the outside and um and yeah it can be picked up like any day that you feel like oh you know I'm kind of I don't know I'm not satisfied in my body today or I'm hating on my body or whatever you can pick it up choose a practice and 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 do it for a bit and it's all about developing a, a harmonious inner relationship with with our bodies our you know it breaks my heart that so many women are at war with their bodies because they don't like the way that they look or they don't you know they think they're too big or, or whatever um because our bodies are such that the source of wisdom of our bodies is infinite and to to shut ourselves away from that because of external factors. It's, it's heartbreaking to me to see so many women give so much energy to, to, to those wars. Um, mm. So it's my, the body love magic, my, uh, my wee contribution to, uh, <laughs> to helping women develop a, simply a kinder, gentler relationship with their bodies. Oh, it sounds yeah. beautiful, Tree. And, you know, as you're saying that women are at war with their bodies, I know for sure that that has been true for me too. And, yeah. you know, if, we, if we're if we at war with anything within ourselves, we're going to see war reflected in the world. And yeah. until we can develop peaceful relationships uh, with our bodies, with uh, with ourselves, we won't, we, we can't develop them with anybody else. And that's really yes. the truth, you know, so... Yes. If we want a better world, it's always the same thing. We've got to come back to ourselves and get right with ourselves. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's exactly what you say. It's uh, for me, you know, that 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 whole adventure of of growth and the the leaving the acting industry, finding something that's more aligned. It's all about peace, inner peace. It's all about um getting more attuned to, to, to what's going on on the inside. Um, and to start seeing that reflected on, on the outside as well. And that, that takes a lot of awareness. It takes a lot of practice, but it's, I think it's essential in this is, you know, especially right now, I think what, what better thing to do right now than make peace within ourselves with everything that we can absolutely um, to start seeing it reflected in the world for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, he, hearing what you say, I, I mean, that the, I believe that if we find that peace within ourselves, it doesn't ultimately matter what we 
choose to do, you know, as our, as our role in the world, we'll be guided yeah. and directed towards what that is. And, you know, if you're, there are people who are doing amazing things in show business now, you know, bringing light into the business and bringing yes. light into what it, you know, what has been sometimes a really toxic environment and, yes, you know, it's important. And then there are people like us who are supporting people uh, and often supporting people who are in the arts and, and, and yeah. supporting people who are well, in every, in every vocation ultimately, yeah. but, um, to bring more light into whatever it is that we do. And so yeah. I want to thank you, Dree, and honor you for the contribution that you make oh, to making you. this world a better place and to helping women heal themselves and heal their perception of themselves and to, mm-hmm. uh, to bring more light, more beauty, more balance, uh, into this world in a, uh, in a very real and practical way in the way that mm. you do. I oh, really want to thank you. I'm going to cry again now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see you. I see you and what you're doing. And I appreciate you. And I know that everyone who's listened to this episode um, is has a warm place in their heart for you now. And so, listen, how can people get your book? So it is available on um, Amazon, which I don't like. I have to say, I don't like that it's on Amazon, but it is on Amazon. It's also on, if you're in the UK, it's on hive.co.uk, which is great because you can support a local uh, bookstore, bookshop, your favorite, uh, when you buy a copy. So that's a great uh, place. It's also in the US on Barnes & Noble. Uh, so you can you can find it on there and I'm sure it must be also there's like good books or something I think I've seen that Uh, so yeah it's it's online body love magic and it's under my pen name and coach name which is Dree Marie Dree Marie thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today oh thank you Claire it's been lovely Check out the episode show notes for links and more information on how you can work with Dree and get involved with the Body Joy Academy. And if you dream of being part of a spiritually minded community of people who support each other's highest vision for whom they want to be and how they want to live, you'll find links in the show notes to learn more about how to join my inner circle of members and work with me personally on creating the results you really want in your life here and now. And a special invitation to those of you who are performing artists or show business professionals, if you want to be more successful, make more money, and have more opportunities doing what you love using the skills you already have, I can show you how. You know, it's very common for people in the arts to believe that the decisions that affect their lives and career are in other people's hands. But the truth is, you are the one and only creator at work here. You can take back the power you've given to others and to the business. Click on the link in the show notes to set up a free Empower Hour breakthrough session with me. And let's talk about what your dream life as an artist would look like and how to make it a living reality. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it 
and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.